1934. How many of you remember 1934? Raise your hand, Carolyn and Marilyn. Oh, if you yeah. <laughs> That's when Carolyn and Marilyn joined the choir. Marilyn sang for 50 years, Carolyn for 83, and today. We are honored to be in your presence and to be served, to have been served so long uh, by all of you. It's a lot of sermons uh, that you listen to as well. Uh, so, so blessings. <laughs> uh, over the last five weeks, we've journeyed together in our Easter season worship series that we've called Second Chances. That's why we have the junk here. And it's why we have this candle on the table, the candle which was made by old remnants of junk candles that you donated uh, to the church that were melted down and created our Paschal candle, our Easter candle. And we light it now once more. This candle represents to us a life of Christ, which is shining in our presence, a life that is always made new, a life that no matter what mistakes we make, no matter what wrong turns we make in life, no matter the kind of junk we feel like we are, that Christ can always make something new out of us. We've been reading in this series through the last two chapters of the Gospel of John as we walk with the disciples as they come to grips with Jesus's resurrection and what that means for life. We've seen the second chances. Well, they're not easy, but they're totally worth it. It's hard work picking up the pieces of your life, taking a risk as you move forward. It takes time and it takes courage. And I guess it is appropriate, Doug, for Carolyn to retire from choir during our second chance worship series because you've retired before. This is your second chance at retirement. Let's hope it sticks, I guess. Not really. I mean, you're welcome back. That, that sounded worse than it was intended. But to do something for 83 years takes commitment. Last week, Marty shared with us the story of Peter's reinstatement, that conversation that Jesus and Peter had on the beach as Jesus cooked for the disciples some of the fish that they had caught that morning. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? He asked him three times, the same amount of times that, that Peter had denied Jesus. And every time Peter's answer is, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter gets a little upset at Jesus. He keeps asking him, Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, then feed my sheep, Jesus says. And after this exchange, well, the conversation just kind of gets a little weird. It becomes a little serious. As we just heard read, Jesus tells Peter very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, well, you used to fasten your own belt and used to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. Now, what is that about Jesus? Thankfully, the writer of the gospel who supposedly was there, he was the one that Peter will soon talk about, perhaps John. But the writer of the gospel decided to give us an interpretation in the parentheses because he knew none of us would have any idea what Jesus was talking about. Jesus said this. The writer of the gospel says to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Well, then feed my sheep three times. And then, well, then Jesus tells Peter he's going to die. 
Peter's given a second chance, but Jesus is very clear with Peter from the start. This new life will ultimately well, it will take his life and he will suffer and he will die because of his commitment to Christ. And here's the deal with second chances. They can lead to life unimaginable, but no one ever has said that it's easy. Finding new meaning and mission, a new direction in life also opens us up to challenges and usually suffering. Peter's response to Jesus is to deflect, as we often do. Peter turns and sees this disciple whom Jesus loved, which tradition says is John. And he asks Jesus, well, what about him? Is he going to suffer like you say I'm going to suffer? And Jesus replies rather directly, what is that to you? Peter, follow me. You do you is my translation of Jesus. You do you, Peter. Don't worry about other people. Your journey is your journey alone. Follow me. And I wonder how many of us today could stand and give testimony of second chances we have missed because we were too focused on other people, too focused on our own struggles, worried about others' experiences or what they may think of us or how easy someone else has and how hard it is for us. Maybe we try to follow someone else's path that worked for them, but we must walk our own road. And how many second chances have we missed simply because we're scared of risk? Your road will not be easy, Jesus said. But if you want to experience life, come on, follow me. I read this week about a woman named Catherine Russell Rich. She died on April 3rd, 2012, at the age of 56, after living with cancer for almost a quarter of a century. She was first diagnosed in 1988 and had surgery and was told she was in remission. And then in 1993, her cancer returned, she says, with a vengeance. She was told she had stage four cancer, which meant it had already spread all over her body. Tumors were growing on her back that were crushing her bones. She was told she had one to two maybe years of life. And yet she lived for 19 years. She lived, her cancer grew, but very slowly, a rare form of cancer that slowly, but still grew. And according to Catherine, it took that second diagnosis, that terminal diagnosis, being told she had only maybe two years to live. It took that moment to finally teach her how to live. She would soon quit her job as an editor of Allure magazine. She took up writing and wrote two best-selling books. When she was first diagnosed, diagnosed, she said she didn't even want to learn a new word in the dictionary, she said. Because really, what was the point of new words if you were about to die? But later in 2001, she ended up traveling to India against her doctor's wishes, where she lived for a year and studied a new language, Hindi. In an interview with the radio program This American Life, which was recorded 14 years after that terminal diagnosis, she said, it took me 14 years to get comfortable with the fact that I was going to be here. And now how do I live my life after planning to die? And what do I do with a life now? She reflects on what this new understanding means to her. She says, it means that I'm not feeling like there's plexiglass between me and the world anymore. And I'll try anything. I may not have written a book, two books now, if I had not been sick that long. It's kind of made me, well, it's made me kind of fearless to have had cancer this long. And I just think, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen if you do it? 
What's the worst that's going to happen if you let yourself believe that maybe you could stay alive? The answer, she says, was nothing. In an article she wrote for O Magazine in 2003, it was entitled, How to Grab a Second Chance in Life. And she decided to go around and interview dozens of women who had, like her for various reasons different from hers, experienced second chances in life. And she tells their stories in this, art, in this article. She talks about women, a, a woman who was forced at a young, young age into a loveless marriage by her controlling father. She eventually finds love at 70. She talks about the woman who had a great career in marketing and then the dot-com bubble burst. This woman lost two jobs during that time. And then she had a hobby and she decided to throw herself in the hobby she had studied and collected for years, African-American quilts. And now she's a world expert and collector of those quilts. Or the PhD child psychologist who left an unhappy marriage at the age of 43, shed 50 pounds, and now grows heirloom tomatoes. One of the leading experts of heirloom tomatoes. Or the 50-year-old teacher who left her career and decided, you know what? I'm going to be an actress. And she became an actress at age 50. Or the woman who finally, finally left her husband after he decked her that last time. She now loves life in Ireland, where she leads horse-packed trips in the mountains. Catherine is quoted in her own obituary that was published in the New York Times. She said, when I was told I was going to die, I was shredded to realize I hadn't made any real difference. And so I became a writer. The life of a writer was uncertain, she said. But as a writer, it seemed I might leave a mark. And she wrote in this article from O Magazine that in all my conversations with people who had afterlifes, they'd come back to claim their dreams. What I was hearing, I began to realize were the strains of their redemption songs. I love that. The strains of a redemption song. And so here... Many, many years ago, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, just days after Jesus' resurrection to new life, Jesus tells Peter he's going to die. What a thing to say after rising from the dead. Most Easter sermons talk about how you're going to live, but Jesus' Easter sermon was, Peter, you're going to die. But in that message, Peter gives, Jesus gives Peter a gift. This is your future, Peter. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else is going to fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. So what do you have to lose? Follow me. Don't worry about other people. Don't worry if it's fair. Don't worry about anything. Follow me. It's different for all of us, but something happens that moment and we wake up. Maybe it is finally being told we're going to die, but more often than not, it's something else that shakes us, exposes us, strips away our security. Usually it's some kind of loss of a job, of a marriage, of a hope, someone's life, the loss of security. And the very thing you think that will end you ultimately becomes a door, a door that you're invited to walk through, a threshold to a brave new world. And when it happens, well, we all have a choice to make, to walk away or to dive right in and follow this second chance wherever it may lead. Here's the truth about second chances, Catherine writes. They rarely, rarely happen by chance. Second chances rarely happen by chance. It's a decision. 
So can you hear the redemption song, your redemption song playing? Maybe it's faint and maybe you've hushed it a time or two, but it's there singing that song of freedom, of new life. That song inviting you to a second chance or a third or a fourth. It keeps singing on into the final verses. It keeps singing. Don't quiet it. Don't let fear keep you from joining in the song. Lay down your worries. Whatever may be holding you back, just do it. Embrace your passion. Claim your dreams. Follow me, Jesus says. And as you follow, belt out that redemption song. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.